Hi there everyone, welcome to episode 4 of The View From The Bench. Uh, welcome back after a bit of a break. Uh, my apologies, injuries and a young child tend to take up a bit of your time, so I uh, I haven't put together an episode for a while, but we've got a very good guest today, Chris Robshaw, Harlequins in England legend. So uh, Chris will be joining us and we'll be talking about all things to do with his career and a little bit about rugby and then choosing some songs and uh, a little fun game at the end as you know if you've listened to previous episodes so on with the show okay so welcome to episode four of the view from the bench with chris robshaw hello chris hi mark thanks for having me on here okay. i've heard a lot about it so yeah excited. it's exciting it's very exciting to have you here mate um obviously we've known each other for a long time we go back a go back a good way um currently in your 13th year at quinn's um, but before we talk a little bit about that, uh, let's go back to your early days. Um, so I've done some research, obviously. Uh, born June 1986. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about growing up. Obviously, you love your sport. Were you was it always rugby? Were you try a bit of everything? Yeah, um, yeah. Grew up with two brothers. We were always kind of in the garden on bikes, whatever it be. Uh, always playing some sort of sport. I actually probably preferred football a bit when I was younger. Um, but when I went went to school, went down to Millfield, which is very kind of sporty. Um, I got quite into hockey, rugby, football, uh, a little bit of cricket, but not, not as much. Um, and then as I got a little bit older, it kind of came more of a rugby focus for me. But now as a, as a kid, loved all sport. As you know, we, we play a bit of golf from time to time, not very well, but yeah. we enjoy it. Um, well, Milford's got its own course, doesn't it? So it does, yeah. So you can out there and, and practice, but it's been a, a long time since I've, I've been on the course. So as you say, brothers growing up, so always competitive. Yeah, always um, competitive. I was uh, the middle one as well, so we were two years between us all. Um, so we'd all be out there, whether it was down at kind of mini rugby clubs on a Sunday to give my mum a bit of time off or or playing, or we had friends who lived in the same village as us as well, so we'd always been bikes around their house and stuff, so we were always pretty active. Um, my older brother was, was pretty smart, but me and my younger were more kind of sporty, yeah. um, and enjoyed that side of kind of outside life a bit more. Cool. Um, now, it's obviously I noticed you were born in June, like obviously you're known as you're known as a bit of a grafter in the game, that's, that's how you've made your name, just like relentless work ethic, work incredibly hard, obviously. I've experienced that first time for a long time. Um, do you, so you'd have been quite young in your year at school. Yeah. Do you reckon that met, were you the small kid? Were you the big kid? Were you? Did you have to work hard to get in the team? Do you, do you even remember? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was young. Uh, oh, it's just always been a, a thing for me. I think we. I was very dyslexic as a kid, um, and I think with that I had to work quite hard. Um, I didn't always enjoy it. Didn't always like it. But a lot of teachers put a lot of work in in for myself whether it was kind of extra time at break time after school stuff like this and and then when it came to sport sport was my escape from all that um, and it allowed me to to be confident and to be comfortable and and really in the element and I think as, as kids you need something to, to give you that confidence and give yeah. you that encouragement and for me rugby in particular was that I, I played like I said little little bits of other things but rugby was my focus um, and uh, my, my mum works very hard. I come from a family that worked pretty hard and it was just kind of instilled in me. I think you've got to work hard to, to achieve anything. Yeah. Um, what about other extracurricular stuff? Do you ever walk the board? Do you ever do any acting? I know you played the, I know you played the guitar for a short I period of time. I played the guitar for a month. 
Yeah, I played that. I was into Mumford and Sons at the time. It was nice. when they were when they were doing all their riffs and stuff like that. Mate, uh, you lasted about six weeks longer than me because I, <laughs> I learned one chord and then gave up. So, uh, so yeah. you beat me to it. It looks. I think it looks a lot easier than it is. Yeah. And I, I met a guy I went to school with who was a musician in a in a band, and he, he said to me, uh, he was like, "Oh, I was like, I'm playing a guitar now," and he was like. Oh, that's good. How are you getting on? I was like, oh, I'm terrible. And he just goes, let's put it like me playing rugby. And I remember him playing rugby at school. He was so bad. <laughs> and I thought, that's all I can ever achieve, man. That's the way he looks at you playing yeah. guitar. Yeah. And you're like pity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, that was, that was the end of that. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. As I said, lasted a bit longer than me. Um, and then obviously as, as time passed, got a bit older. When, so rugby... Main sport Millfield? Yeah, probably, yeah. Probably that and cricket, yeah. So that would have been your focus from quite a young age. Um, and when did you get involved in the in the setup um, at Quinn's? At Quinn's, so yeah, we were probably my second last year at school, so when I was about 17, Tony Russ at the time came down, and you know Tony. Yeah. Uh, came down and scouted a guy called Tom Powell as well, who played England 7, yeah, so yeah, he's yeah. here for a bit asked us to come down and trial and we played I remember uh, training with you actually training with you and Tom Guest Yeah. and I remember being on a scrum and Tom Guest picking up the ball and running around <laughs> running around me and running around the wing end and the full back and scoring Going a try length. I remember that try yeah it was unbelievable and I was just like oh my god is this a difference kind of thing Yeah. Um, but no, luckily we must, have, we must have done something well because they invited us back and asked us to join the academy kind of program which meant they looked after us in holidays and we had summer camps and all that stuff yeah. and, and then post school when I got to 18 yeah came in Philly yeah and um, this is a question I get asked quite often it's almost difficult to say because so much has changed but your memories of the early days there when we were on the military base down in Aldershot to now I mean obviously the difference is huge but can you put your finger on a couple of things which have just changed out of sight or um, yeah, well, I remember we always used to sleep in the army barracks. So as a, as a group, we would sit there. We would be changing in the corridor because there was no room in the change room. Yeah. Um, first year I had in the corridor. First year, I remember. I remember Colin used to make us wash the rugby balls. Yeah. After training, um, our gym our gym was the size of probably five meters by ten meters, if that, for a whole thirty five man squad. Yeah. And now we've got a. A twenty-five by forty meter state-of-the-art gym and stuff. So yeah. yeah, it's phenomenal the difference. I think. Yeah, the one for me is that the game just used to be recorded on tape. Yeah, yeah. that was it. <laughs> there was no nobody films training. Nobody yeah. did any of that. And now it's just you it, can yeah. watch any clip of any game mm. from any era ever, which I think is just unbelievable. Um, yeah, obviously we got to know each other during that period. We played a bit of age group rugby stuff together. Um, but that spell in your career, you had a load of injuries. Yep. Um, and just be interested to know, obviously, you've just, it's great that you're back from your injury now, you've just come back from a, a one which was pretty tough timing for you, um, but you've been through been through worse and been through longer injuries. Uh, what do you reckon you learned about yourself during that early period in your career, the frustrations from those injuries and how it helped you moving forward? Um, well, I, th I think injuries happen. Unfortunately, it's, it is part of the game, and and I was actually chatting to someone recently, and they were like, "If you actually think about it, most pro players probably spend a third of their career injured." And when you actually think about it like that, obviously you don't hope they all come at the same times or early stages, whatever it is. 
and everyone goes through it and it's about how you deal with it and how you improve from it and I think as as a youngster it was a a bit harder to take because you're trying to get into teams you're trying to impress you don't know where your next contract's coming from you're you're a bit unsure about things um, it, it is a little bit tough and I think as you get a bit older you're a bit more confident you're a bit more experienced you've you've been through these situations and, and I think it's like anything you gain that experience you gain how to use your time wisely because as you know when you're injured yeah you want to train as well as possible but you're probably only needed for two three hours a day at the club yeah so it's okay what are you doing for the rest of the time are you just going home bored sitting on your sofa watching tv getting depressed or are you being proactive with your time are you yeah. doing a some guys are doing work experience uni degrees cooking courses so i did a cooking course during mine um a lot of my friends were actually at university so i went and saw a lot of them at the time when i was younger um this time now it's just being proactive with other interests now outside the game um and just staying busy i think as soon as you i did that especially early on because you can't do much it's icing early on sitting at home yeah, by yeah. yourself all your the rugby guys are at work all your your kind of homemates are at work as well so there's no yeah. one around so yeah but you have to be comfortable in your own time i think yeah. um and be happy with that and I always find as well if you can do something outside of the game and it just takes your mind off the fact that you're not getting to do what you want to do yeah. um, and so you just, it just changes that focus you come in all you're focused on is the injury and just crack on with that and the rest of it you kind of park until you're getting back towards being close to playing and then then you can kind of get back in the mindset of right well I'm getting back to be a rugby player because if you're just sitting there watching the boys train thinking I can't do this and it just kills you it does yeah you get very depressed and and even for me when I'm playing I need other things I can't just do rugby yeah. as much as I love the game I need to have other interests as well otherwise I find players myself I get burnt out if that's all I'm doing I need I need a different way of thinking at times and and I think with that it allows you to even play better at times because you do have different interests you are stimulated differently you are thinking about different things of course when it comes to game time you're preparing for that but early on in the week you can do it and you spoke about other interests at the moment, business interests. You've got a few things ticking along outside the. Uh... Yeah, yeah. So I've got uh, I've got a couple of things at the moment. I've got a coffee shop called Josie's in Winchester, um, which we set up about four years ago. I've got which uh, is ironic because you don't drink coffee. <laughs> but I've, heard, I've heard great reviews, mate. I've heard great, great reviews. Great food, great yeah. food, great food, um, great coffee. So I'm told. <laughs> it does a cracking hot chocolate. Yeah, exactly. I've got an events business called Zeus as well. So we do hospitality at Twickenham. They run um, rugby dinners and cycling events and bits like that as well. Um, I've just got involved with a suit company called Dress to Kill. So I'm involved with them. I'm involved with a brewery called London Beer Factory. Uh, so I've got a number of things I, I work on. And just kind of dip in and out of them from time to time. And obviously you've still got a long way to go in your career, but is that the sort of... Is that what you think you're going to be involved in? You know, have a few things in a few pies when you retire, spread yourself across a lot of things. Yeah, I hope so. I, I don't think I'm a guy who'll be coaching. Uh, I don't think I'm that way that way inclined. Um, I know a lot of the guys here do. Um, for me, I, I think I'll always be involved with rugby to some degree, uh, whether it is like you said, the event side of it, which is at rugby, or or one of the businesses or something. Like you said, yeah, a couple of different business opportunities out there. I hope. Um, and obviously it would be remiss of us uh, talking about your career and stuff to not mention what you've achieved with England obviously in, you know long career over 50 caps incredible amount of achievements um, I'd be interested to know that first that first test Salter Argentina mm-hmm. yeah 2009 around there yeah um, 
you, I'm guessing you still remember that moment, um, getting your first cap, going out there playing for England. You know, take us back there. What, what was it like? Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it all came a bit, a bit surreally because I think it was Alan Quinton was supposed to go in the Lions, ended up getting banned. So Tom Crofty was supposed to go in England, got called up. He went there, and then I got called up to England. Um, so initially, I wasn't really involved. Um, so the first test was in Manchester. Then we flew over to Argentina, Buenos Aires, I think we're based there, and went to Salta. Um, and had a good training week, and, and John O'Connor, Martin Johnson at the time, spoke to me and said, how are you feeling? Are you ready and stuff? And I was like, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and um, just waiting for like an opportunity. And he said, well, I think you'll, you'll get one this weekend. So if you do, it, it's a simple thing that's done well, and get, get involved early on, because the first half always goes very quickly. Um, so for me, yeah, it was a, a very tough day. It was a, quite a, a hostile environment. Um, I don't think many many games have been over there before. Um, so it was very hostile. Um, Argentina were very up for it. And, and we actually lost the game, unfortunately. But but like like John said, the game went pretty quickly. It was a boiling hot day. Um, but no, it's a, a memory that will stay with me forever, I think. And then you had a frust frustrating spell from an international point of view. It must have been quite interesting for you because Obviously, your ambition's always been to play at the top level and you've achieved a lot of that. Um, and during that spell where you weren't playing for England, was where, where as a club we were, we were building to, you know, building to get something somewhere really special, which was to win the Premiership in 2012. Um, and I suppose, I suppose in a way, that journey the club was going through worked out really well for you as a development tool to, to get you to being, within three years, you were captain of England and leading them in the Six Nations. So. Um, it's in I don't know maybe maybe what's your opinion on if you've been playing at the time at you know a top club uh, winning the Premier in 2010 do you reckon do you reckon maybe you'd have got back in aiming set up more quickly or mm. do you think you kind of you need to go through that spell to become the player that you are now or? yeah no, I think people always want things pretty easy um, and I don't get me wrong I would you would prefer stuff like that wouldn't you but yeah. I think with Anything you really want to achieve, you've got to go out there and work hard for, no matter what walk of life, whether it's business, sport, music, whatever it is. Um, there are no easy fixes to things. And yes, some roads are, are tough. And for me to go from that first cap to then my second cap, captain in England, for about a two and a half year window, being called into the setup, bit of training here, sent home, playing with Queen, so people went on to win the Amman in between and stuff. Um, no, but you're working hard, you're developing your game, aren't you, and improving as a player. Um, and I think also certain players suit certain ways of playing. And I think at, at the time they were one of the six, he was very much kind of a line or operator. Um, we, we suited other guys probably a little bit more than myself. And look, I understand that completely. Uh, but no, I'm glad I, glad I got another, another opportunity and I've loved playing ever since. And, um, you know, obviously, 50 caps now, um, incredibly experienced guy, you know, everyone knows he's been, been through some some highs and lows. Um, what would you say is your most memorable game in an England shirt? Uh, I, th I think probably my 50th actually. Um, for me, like we said a, a second ago, for not knowing if I was going to get that second cap, to then being in Australia, we won our first game, which was obviously the first time I'd won a game in the Southern Hemisphere. Going into um, once you, as you know, as a player, you generally know if you're going to be starting, if you're doing lineouts or scrums yeah. or something like that. So 
so yeah, I was starting to get kind of some messages, a lot of messages come my way and stuff, and, and Eddie, Eddie had a nice couple of things to say, and then um, I had boots made and shirts made for me, and then Danny kind of gave me a bit of a, an American roasting, so to speak, the night before a game, and said some nice words, and the other players said some nice words, and it's, at the end of the day, they're the people that matter in that environment, and people say, are you affected with what's written and what's said, and it's irrelevant really because the people that care are in that change room and to lead, lead England out again um, to win that game as well and the, I think the way we won it after the week after the week before we conceded about four or five tries that week we defended 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 and they just weren't going to cross our line and it's one of those kind of memorable victories and then to, to win a series go in a change room celebrate with the boys and then um, have Jason Lennon give him my 50th and uh, I get got quite a a nice reception so yeah that will definitely be my my favourite England moment Okay so those of you that have listened to the podcast before will know that we do a champagne moment for every podcast we've we've had a few listen listen back to them if you want to um, this time round I think having been away for a while it would be remiss of me not to give the champagne moment to the England team for winning back-to-back Six Nations, obviously equaling equaling the world record of New Zealand, not not quite being able to better it, um, you know, by beating Ireland and losing out on those on those consecutive Grand Slams, which must have hurt, but still an incredible achievement. Obviously, Robbo, you were a massive part of of building that, and I know you weren't in the camp at the time, but you were very much very much a part of it. I'm sure you're in contact with the guys. Now the dust settled must be rightfully proud of, of being part of that and, and the achievement that you know, no one can take away from you. Yeah, exactly that. And I think, um, and like I said, the guys would have been disappointed on that Saturday night not to have quite finished the job. But they, they, the stall they set out kind of earlier in the tournament was to win the championship again and be back-to-back champions. And, and like I said, no one can take that away from them. And that's exactly what they are. And I think it gives us something to, to kick on again. And that's the exciting thing about this England group at the moment is every training session guys want to get better you've got Dylan you've got Farrell Ford these type of guys drive the same so much and um, it's phenomenal when you when you see them actually operating in a session the drive they give everyone the passion the enthusiasm they lift and they lift everyone and I'm sure you're very much part of that as well mate so yeah uh, congratulations England on your 18 surely more to come from that setup. Okay, so moving on from talking about Chris to something more specifically involved in the game, this is a little section we've done in previous episodes, speaking with players about their particular area of expertise and maybe what they think about and whether they can shine a light on that for for other players, whether it's an amateur player or a young player coming up or just someone who's interested to know, uh, know what a top level international player thinks about in those moments. So, Robbo, obviously, you know, I'll put aside the six and a half gag. Um, anyone that's played with you at Queens for a long period of time knows that you know you've made you've made your name by tackling, harrying, stealing the ball, that sort of stuff. Um, that that's that's your area. That's that's where you really come to the fore. Um, so for a for a lay person or for someone like me, front of forward who doesn't do much uh, competing for the ball, um, you're coming into that environment. Someone's running at you. You're about to make the tackle, or you, or you see someone making a tackle next to you. What's your thought process? What are you looking at? What are the triggers that, that you look for to think, I'm going to leave this one or I'm going to have a crack at it or, or you know, I can make something happen there? 
Yeah, I think I think the important thing with this is, and I struggled a bit when I was when I was a bit younger, is, is trying to work almost too hard and not working smart. We're chasing lost causes just because you're like, oh, I've got to turn over, I've got to slow this ball down, so you end up going to probably ten breakdowns when you should have only gone to the two or something. Um, so it's about picking your moments. So first and foremost, being smart, not wasting your energy. Um, and, and then you're looking at a lot of different things. I think, and it's you don't generally want to compete if you're on the outside because it shortens up the defensive line for the next phase. So generally, you want to comfort inside. Look, there's always an exception the way people fall and stuff. Um, and if you think you can get it, go and take it. But try just to stay out there, stay in the defensive line, because then if they do come out there, you've got good numbers. So then you're you're the inside man. You're coming in and you're looking and you're looking at basically how they fall. Or I see how they fall. If they're on the back, there's a chance. Or if the ball was your way, if the ball was facing back towards them, and there's a bit of a longer body to get over, it's it's tough. Um, and also, have they got people around them? Are they isolated? Is it a one-up runner, or do they have two people supporting them? Or if they've got people supporting them, probably just leave them and go around uh, around a corner or get into a position. So yeah, so. First and foremost, work smart. Secondly, how are they fall, falling? And also, yeah, um, have they got much support there? And then once you're there, let's get in a good position. Do you want to actually kill the ball and try to get it yourself? Or are you trying to get through and take people out and the next guy can get it? You talk about body position. Obviously, that's something I've seen you working on over the years, many hours out on the training field. You know, what's the best position for you and when you're there and you're like, Know, foot position, shoulder position, <coughs> wide yeah. and low basically. Yeah, exactly that. Um, you'll have a good wide base because normally there's someone heavy who's going to try and whack you off the ball um, at, at some speed. So you need to make sure you're in a strong position. Whether that's having a foot over the body or I probably prefer two kind of side by side, or not side by side, but behind the body uh, rather than straddling it. And then, and then just being low, you need to be squatting low. And what I've found recently, in recent times, doing a lot of flexibility in my hips, and just getting a bit more flexibility, getting that leg strength there, and that's actually really helped me on the rugby pitch even more so than just doing drills. Is actually getting more flexibility in my body. Perfect. And then, then the other thing I was going to ask is, which, I, which I think people would be interested to know is, you are a workhorse. Very. We've we've done uh, we've done testing on lactic acid before. I've been there with you. Weirdly low. <laughs> You can just run and run. What what would be for someone that's looking to build an engine that's a back row player? What would be, you know, your your simple advice to build those foundations to to be able to play for eighty? I think I've probably changed over the years. Um, obviously, you get a, you get a little bit older, and your body probably hurts a little bit more. And I probably can't do what I used to do. Yeah. Uh, I remember we used to do, I think six eight hundred meters with like two minutes off in between or something. Uh, in my first couple of years and I didn't think that was anything anything too bad and now I think I'd probably die doing that um, or even younger I used to just go for runs just used to go for 20 30 minute run just on in my holidays go around around the block or whatever it is go to the local park and run around and for me I, th I find if I've got a good aerobic base I can translate it onto the pitch and then you can top up anaerobic stuff but a lot of it is once you've done that it's doing rugby related stuff like getting off the floor, maybe a little bit of wrestling, um, tackle something, get back up, because it's what you do in those kind of split moments. And we were lucky enough to work with George Smith with England. He came in and, and spoke to us. And he said he always looks to do everything in twos. So whether it's a tackle, then compete, or a tackle, get out. 
it's not just finished with a tackle or a carry and then presenting the ball or rolling again or a carry and a hand up or something, just yeah. always trying to pair it up. So, um, you know, the kind of split burst of energy, then you can relax and something else happens. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought that was a, a good point. Yeah, yeah, great point. Great point for one of the best ever. Yeah. Right, thanks very much, Chris. We've found out a little bit about your thought process as a player and a little bit about your life and what's led you to the success that you've had. So, putting the serious stuff to one side now, mate. Moving on to our song selections, the four categories that are the same on every podcast. So, we've got uh, the family album, we have the drive home, the change room game changer, and the career definer. We will kick things off, Chris with your family album, something that makes you think of family when you were younger, something that makes you think of family now, what have you gone for? Yeah, I've gone for Simply Red, um, I went for Stars in this, but it could be any one of their tracks. Uh, my mum was a massive a massive Simply Red fan, uh, so as kids it would constantly be on in the kitchen and uh, around the house at some degree, so yeah, that was, uh, I've got big fond memories of it, and I'm a big fan of them now actually. Yeah, of course, let's have a listen. The feeling that you ain't faking The only one you ever thought about Wait a minute, can't you see That I wanna fall from the stars Straight into your arms Excellent choice, Christopher. Um, big fan of Simply Red myself. Uh, lovely beginnings, as you said, reminds you um, of your mum, um, your hard-working mum, who, as you were saying earlier, really sort of, you know, laid the laid the foundation for you and set that example for hard work for your whole life, really. So moving on to the drive home. So my stipulations for this is sort of maybe not now. Spring is sprung, you know, the sun shining. We're talking wet, miserable Tuesday. We've had a tough day. <laughs> You're feeling battered, you know, double rugby weights. Maybe we've had a big game of the weekend, we've got another one coming. Um, you get in that car, journey home, about 40 minutes home from Guildford. What's what's the tune that you hope comes on the radio? Maybe? Yeah, so I, I tend to listen to on that type of day, Mellow Magic or something like that. And like you said, you get a lot of things going for it. So if you're skinny, lower than Birdie. Great. I mean, I have to say, I'm, I'm more of a fan of the original um, by Bonnie Bear. Well, I've heard that on Ponzi, so I said Bonnie Bear. Uh, but this is a great version. I like a bit of Man of Magic myself, so let's have a listen to Skinny Love. Come on, Skinny Love, what happened Relaxing the drive home, whatever the 
fancy wheels are you driving at that time, mate? You know. I try. <laughs> okay, so moving on to the changing room game changer. You've obviously been in many a changing room. Um, do you get much music in the England changing room before games? No, I don't have music in that take a bit of getting used to because obviously at Queen's yeah, we have yeah. a lot of music yeah yeah it does it um, creates a different atmosphere and you, you tend just to get guys kind of with their headphones on and stuff um, doing their own thing because like I said everyone likes different music they make full of games yeah get them in a certain place in a certain mood or remind reminder of stuff um, so yeah it's a, a bit strange initially uh, but then you get used to it um, so obviously I'm guessing this selection would have come from your time at Queen's um, Pre-game, post-game, um, for your, for your So this game. this was post-game. This was actually um, I've gone for "Live Your Life" by T Pain and Rihanna, and it was um, it's actually when I was first kind of breaking into the first team. And Andrew Gummer sort of time would always be the first to, I, if we won a game to run through his iPod or what, his iPods probably about yeah, there. Yeah. And Nothing wrong with iPods, man. <laughs> I've, still, I've still got one. <laughs> and then they'd plug it in, and yeah, he'd always play you play this song, so. Yeah, for me, it always had a big reminder of that, as it was my first kind of breaking, really. Final selection, Chris. Set a good bar so far, actually. I've enjoyed it, mate. Um, career definer. So this can be either your all-time favourite song or something that will always make you think of rugby. That one, that one song. What is it? Um, this is Florence and the Machines. Um, you've got a loving feeling because I remember watching when Munster won the Heineken Cup final. Um, and there was a montage after the game and then picking the trophy up and, so, and this song was being slowly played in the background and just thinking that's where I want to be and what I want to achieve and um, would always have a big rugby influence whenever I hear this song and something you've listened to subsequently you know to yeah, motivate yourself yeah, yeah you, you use it to motivate yourself whether it's this version or the version with kind of Dizzy Riles going there as well um, and yeah it would just always have that moment of, of wanting to achieve that Sometimes I feel like throw my hands up in the air I know I can count on you Sometimes I feel like saying, Lord, I just don't care But you've got the love I need to see me through Sometimes it seems the Lord is just too old And things go wrong no matter what I do Now and then it seems like the life is just too much Chris, great selection of your four. Um, good mixture of, of you know up to date and modern, and uh, and a couple of classics, especially Simply Red. There, I think I think you've done yourself some justice uh, and joined in with some of the other boys. So thank you very much. Right, so we're nearly at the end of episode four with Chris Robshaw. Um, thank you so much, Chris, for your time. Thank you. The way we've been rounding out our episodes is with Just A Minute, uh, that's a Harlequin spin on Just A Minute, the Radio 4 game show, Brilliant. and 
Essentially, I'm going to ask you to speak for a minute without hesita hesitation, repetition or deviation about a topic. Uh, you don't know what the topic is yet, do you, Chris? Okay. Uh, I'm going to try and be quite strict on this. Uh, if it helps, the last contestant, Adam Jones, got two seconds. So, you know... You're not going to be bottom. Chart, you're, well, you're not. You're not going to be bottom of the leaderboard, Chris. Is essentially, what I'm saying. Okay, so uh, given what we've spoken about, with you know your interests outside of the game, could you speak for one minute without hesitation, repetition, or deviation about owning and running a coffee shop? In three, two, one, go. People say the perfect coffee is hot. Some say it's cold. I like it with a bit of hot chocolate because I don't actually like coffee too much. But it's not just about the coffee. <laughs> Chris, I'm going to have to stop you there. You said coffee. You said coffee. That's three times in a row. <laughs> yeah, I know, but... Well, I lasted longer than I've enjoyed You did, so. you did, you did. You did. I let the first couple go, but you can't just keep drinking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I've given you 11 seconds, which is pretty good. You said... Uh, Almost exactly the same as Nick Evans, beneath DC talking about Christmas. That draws to a close, episode four of The View From The Bench. Christopher, as ever, a pleasure. Thank you so much, mate, for joining me. Uh, great to see you back, fully fit, and obviously following the great performance you put in against Newcastle the weekend, many more to come, I'm sure, than the remainder of the season. Uh, if you enjoyed the episode, um, please let me know. We have um, our email, which is theviewfromthebench at gmail.com, and our Twitter account, which is underscore from the bench. That's underscore from the bench. And if you really like us or like previous episodes, it'd be great if you could put a review on iTunes or rate us on iTunes because it gets us up the charts and gets people listening to us. So thanks once again, Robbo and speak to you all again soon. Thanks very much.